0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: It's time to eat. What are you hungry for?
0: Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy
1: football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now.
0: I'm starving.
1: On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast.
0: Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and we are what? 15 days away from the 2023 NFL draft. I got to tell you, the draft is one of my favorite three days, especially Thursday night, the first round. I don't know why the draft is so awesome. It just is. I love it for so many different reasons, and I love this podcast series we've got going on the fantasy piece. If you think about it, actually on three different shows of ours, we've been going over some of the prospects. So Emery Hunt and I – have been systematically going through every position on the College Draft podcast. We talk about college football. We talk about NFL draft prospects. We talk about betting on college football games year-round. We also have been talking and breaking down some of the prospects. We'll get into the D-line in tomorrow with Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker Football podcast. Here on the Fantasy Feast podcast, we're making sure we know about these skill guys because we're going to go over it in depth after the draft based upon where these players land. But we do know there are people doing dynasty stuff and best ball stuff now, but also just the way the teams do. You kind of have to have some idea of how you feel about the player before you dive into his situation, his coach, whatever. We've all seen the circumstances where guys go to a bad situation or a good situation, and it affects their career. So let's get a little baseline of how we feel about these guys. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on social media. We're at Ross Tucker Pod. Can't tell you how much I appreciate those of you that rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. The star of this show is typically Joe Dolan, the fantasy gangster at FG underscore Dolan but the star of today's episode will probably be the same star as the last couple episodes and next week that's our guy Brett Whitefield who does a terrific job breaking down the prospects for fantasypoints.com at BG Whitefield is how you can follow Brett we've already touched on the quarterbacks and the running backs if you miss those you need to go back and listen, I will say this though: before we even dive into the wide receivers, because this is a really hot topic. Brett, you mentioned that Bijan Robinson was your second best running back since you've been doing this. I think you had him what behind Zeke, ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Is that right?
2: Opposite of that, behind McCaffrey, oh, behind Zeke, yeah,
0: behind McCaffrey, ahead of Zeke. So the question becomes. What are your thoughts? And Joe actually tweets about this at least five times every day, if you follow Joe, at F. underscore Your thoughts on a team like the Philadelphia Eagles taking him, who don't have a running back to speak of, taking him number 10 overall. Brett, I'll go with you first, then we'll get Joe in here.
2: Yeah, so I, even though I love Bijan, I'm still a, a stickler for positional value, and I just don't know that that's quite there. It's tough if the, if the Eagles get to 10 though, and there's, they don't have a guy that they love. Um, I guess I don't have a problem with it, but I, I I'm typically a stickler for the positional value. So I would say probably not for them at 10.
1: Joe, let me, let me uh, give you the fantasy football perspective. If they, uh, regardless of, uh, of my personal circumstances, if the Eagles, um, if the Eagles draft B. John Robinson, you can t- check out my Twitter feed for what, uh, what I have subjected myself to, if they do, um, we're talking somebody, Ross, who probably will be drafted in the top three of all fantasy football leagues. Like, I wow. mean, not really, we, uh, obviously, I mean, the, the circumstances would have to be beyond extreme for Bijan to not be the 1-1 in Dynasty, as in Anthony Richardson would probably have to land somewhere absolutely perfect and B. John Robinson would somehow have to land in a projected timeshare for him not to be the one one even in superflex leagues. But I'm talking your redraft league. You put Bijan Robinson, with the Philadelphia Eagles behind the offensive line, positional of value. Hell, you can argue that till the day you know until the day's over. But for fantasy football, it would be pretty freaking awesome. So let's look at it from that perspective. I had somebody who you know, said to me, like, there's going to be discussions about him as the first overall pick in redraft if that happens. And I would say, yeah, there probably would be discussions about that. I would still likely have him behind Justin Jefferson, maybe Christian McCaffrey, but it would be that kind of landing spot for B. John Robinson.
0: Well, and there's another scenario here, obviously, where the Eagles trade down, Mm -hmm. get some more mid-round, late-round picks, and then draft him a little bit later, which kind of uh splits the baby so to speak right they still get the player but they don't they don't take him at 10 from a positional value standpoint so anyway I was just curious because that seems to be a hot topic uh let's dive into the wide receivers Brett so interesting that almost everybody has somebody different as their number one ranked receiver I can't remember a time like this where this many different receivers are ranked number one two three. I've seen people think that there's going to be four or five in the first round. I saw where Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl thinks there's only one first-round receiver on a lot of teams' boards, and that's Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. I'm curious, Brett, to see where you land on this. Um, I guess just your thoughts on the wide
2: receiver group as a whole. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating class. I think when you're talking about everyone having somebody else at the top, I think it speaks to – the lack of oomph that this class has, honestly. Uh, and, and that's true. I, I have a, a top tier of three guys that I think is – I think they're really good players. They all score as first-round players for me. But none of these guys are very high on my board. You know, I think J- JSN's my top guy. I think he's like 14th on my board or something like that. And um, I think where the class really thrives is the depth of the class. I think you can get effective playmakers, you know, well into day three. So I think it's a deep class without the true dogs that we were accustomed to seeing year after year. I don't think there's that superstar in this class. Um, it is really tough cuz you know you, you when Jim Nagy says one first round grade, I could see that being true for a lot of teams. The the reality though is, is like how many first round grades are teams going to have in general? We're talking what 14 to 16. So you're going to see another 14, 16, 18 guys come off the board that don't have first round grades anyways. Some of those are probably going to be receivers. So I think, I think we're probably locked into f- at least three going in the first round, maybe a fourth or a fifth. But.
0: All right, you mentioned three guys, Brett, in your top tier receiver. You said JSM, Jackson Smith, and Jigba from Ohio State's your number one ranked guy.
2: Why is that? I think there's really just no deficiencies in his game. And I know a lot of people are falling into the Jeff- Justin Jefferson trap where he was asked to play in the slot, so they're projecting that as a slot-only kind of guy. I don't see that with him at all. If you are in that camp, I'd like someone to show me which physical trait he's lacking that prevents him from being successful on the outside. But from a route-running standpoint, from the way he tax leverages, from you know his ability to uncover for his quarterback at all three levels of the field, whether it's short, intermediate, deep, his ability to work after the catch, all of those things. He's just a really, really sound player, just technically sound across the board. I think his best football is yet to be played as well. And um, I, yeah, I think he's a, a relatively safe guy. He He's probably the only guy who profiles as a, a true number one for me probably right away. Interesting. So when you say true number one, you think Smith
0: and Jigba is playing on the outside or you still think he's a he's primarily a slot guy?
2: I think ideally for him, he, he lands on a team that will play him both. That's what the, that's what the best receivers are doing. That's what the best teams are doing to be a number one in the NFL anymore. You don't have to be an outside guy. I mean, shoot Cooper cup, just led the league in receiving not last year, but the year before broke all kinds of records playing, you know, primarily in the slot. So I think ideally for him, he lands with an offensive coordinator that's creative that knows how to get him favorable matchups and playing in the slot does do that for a lot of guys. Um, I was just talking to somebody recently who was telling me it was actually Matt Harmon, Matt Harmon from uh, Reception Perception, telling me that most of these receivers he talks to they like playing in the slot because they get those favorable matchups. The slot corners, the safeties. Um, if you're you know heavy zone defense, you're getting a lot of linebacker looks, carrying you you know carrying your vert to the next level. So I think ultimately he can play anywhere, but slot slot's probably his best bet.
0: I know, Joe, that it is somewhat situation dependent, but he strikes me as a guy that's going to catch a lot of balls as a rookie or has a chance to catch a lot of balls as a rookie, almost no matter where he goes.
1: And Brett, um, you made a comparison to Amon Ross St. Brown, who was underdrafted. But I think that was one of those ones where the fantasy football community was kind of right. Like, we were all like, I can't believe this guy was a fourth-round pick, and then he comes in and shows that he probably should have been a first-round pick. I don't think that the league's going to make the mistake with Smith and Jigba. And and, and I think he's somebody – Ross, he could go to a team where they have weapons. He could go to a team where they don't have weapons. All the same, I think he's going to play right away, and I think he's going to catch a lot of footballs. So, um, I, I think I think this is someone who is probably going to be the first wide receiver off the board um, because of his positional versatility in – post-draft dynasty drafts, given his prospect profile, if you're doing your rookie draft before the NFL draft, if you have done it, I really hope this guy was the first wide receiver off the board.
2: (laughs) Who's your second guy in your top tier, Brett? I have Jordan Addison and Quinton Johnston, like neck and neck, and they're very different players. So it's like, it's more of a, for a team picking, it's probably like, what do we need? Or what do we value at that position? Tell me about him. So Addison is a, you know, we talk about JSN as being a great route runner. Well, Addison is every bit as good of a route runner as JSN. He lived mostly or more on the outside than JSN did, obviously. Um, fluidity in his movements, just an, an easy mover, easy separator, um, just absolutely destructive breaks. Like when he when he's running a route and you know, gets to the top of the stem and and hits that break hard, I mean, he leaves corners in the dust legitimately. Um, I know there's questions about size. There's questions about top end speed, top gear. I think the technical prowess he plays with kind of negates him from that being too big of a a problem for him. Um, You see it on like double moves and stuff like he he really just (laughs) destroys corners or safeties. Whoever he's lined up against doesn't matter. Um, He was his season at Pittsburgh uh, before he transferred to USC was one of the better receiver seasons I've seen. Uh, Just unbelievable plays all the time.
0: You know, I guess I feel like the weight thing is overrated almost at every position. I mean, <clears throat> Devontae Smith might be the skinniest football player I've ever seen, you know, and, and he's stayed healthy so far, you know, knock on wood, yeah. and, and maybe he won't at some point, but <clears throat> I don't know, I feel like the game's changed. It, it, it's it's more important to be able to not get hit and to be able to get separation, and I think it's easier to get separation Coming in out of your breaks, if you weigh a buck seventy as opposed to weighing two twenty.
1: You know, Smith plays big though, Ross. I uh, like he plays bigger than his size. He's got an alpha dog mentality. Brett, do you see that from Addison?
2: Yes and no. Yeah, I see it in some parts of his game. Like after the catch, the dude's a demon. Um, you know, he wants to steal your soul when he's out in the open field. At the catch point, sometimes I you know, I do think he has a tendency of letting corners or safety's play through his frame a little bit um on those contested catch balls ideally though you're not really using him as a, a ball winner you know you're using him it's more of your your separator and your you know ideally like a z a z receiver role he's not getting a lot of press and stuff like that but no I, I wouldn't i mean smith has this weird inherent alpha mentality for a guy who's who's tiny i don't see necessarily that completely in Edison. but i don't think Addison's like uh i don't think he lacks competitiveness by any means
0: Let's get to Quentin Johnston. It, it is interesting. I can see why Jim Nagy said what he said, because all of the guys, other than Smith and Jigba, I've heard the I've heard the the knocks, the critiques. Quentin Johnston is one of them. The issue there is the route tree, right? And and his ability to run different routes, Brett.
2: Yeah. So you know, coming from that, that air raid style offense, like his route tree is limited. I'm not going to deny that. Um, but what he is asked to do, he does very well. He runs those routes. Well, um, when he was pressed, he, get, he gets off press very cleanly, very efficiently, no wasted movement, which is really impressive for a guy of his length and size. Um, obviously when you think of bigger guys, you think of getting off press as being easier because they have the strength to, to move them. He doesn't necessarily win that way. He wins with, with really good release packages and, and, I would say disruptive route breaks as well. Um, I think he actually has the the ankle flexibility and the the hip flexibility to be a fantastic route runner at the NFL level. In fact, I think he's probably got the biggest ceiling of any receiver in this class because of the size. My biggest concern beyond the route tree is is the way he greets the football in the air. You know, catching is kind of a big deal for a wide receiver. <laughs> so I, he, the only two guys I can remember that catch the ball similarly to him would be Terry McLaurin and Mark Andrews, where they kind of clap at it in the air. I should say only two guys that had success that do it the same way he does. Um,
0: well,
2: show me your hands. What's the difference? So this is good hands technique. This is what he does. <laughs> he claps at it, you know. Um, he Kind of, and, and Andrews and McLaurin do that? Andrews is a big-time clapper. Like, I've called Mark Andrews TikTok for a couple years, the, who's the alligator from... Um, Peter Pan
1: yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. uh, I have to I have to go look this up now Ross by the way yeah I have no idea what he's talking it, about it's, but that's it's okay. not
2: it's not consistent it's not like Andrews always claps at it but you'll see like when Andrews drops a football or sometimes like he had, he had a couple plays in the same game back-to-back plays in the back of the end zone where Lamar hits him with a beautiful pass in the corner and he just completely whiffs on the ball it's and it could be sometimes when guys deal with shoulder injuries, they start doing that because they can't get that full extension away from their frame. Uh, and I know Andrews was dealing with the shoulder injury this year, ironically. So, but it, I've seen it in other years as well. McLaurin's the same way. He claps at the ball um, and, and, and it, it's never stopped. He's got phenomenal hands. So it's never really prevented McLaurin from being good, but um, I, that's my biggest issue with him is the, the clapping. <laughs> Did he
0: have a bunch of drops?
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say a bunch but for for the amount of targets he got he had probably an unnecessary amount of drops but you don't you see it other places too right so like at contested catches he's this bigger frame strong guy you would expect him to be awesome on contested balls but because his focus is not necessarily on greeting the football with full extension and squeezing that tight bring it into his body he's clapping at it like he wasn't as successful on contested catches as you would want a guy of his size to be. So those don't go in the books as drops necessarily, but they definitely go in the books as incompletions.
0: Um, I don't really have a good segue. So I'm just going to tell you guys about Labatt Blue Light. I really like it. I really like talking football with Joe and Brett. I really like drinking Labatt Blue Light. In fact, if we weren't recording this at 10 a.m. Eastern, I perhaps would be drinking some Labatt Blue Lights with my friends, Joe and Brett, while we're talking about wide receivers on the Fantasy Feast podcast, but alas, I can't. I'll have to wait till the night. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right. So you have a tier, a top tier, and those are your guys. You're missing a guy that I really like, and I'm curious to hear what you don't like about him and that is Zay Flowers from Boston College. Tell me about Zay Brett.
2: Yeah, so I guess I'll start by saying I do like Zay. I like Zay. No, kid. you
0: hate him. He's not in your top tier. You hate exactly. him. Um,
2: you know it, you know we talked about it with uh, with Addison where the size isn't necessarily a concern cuz that's the way the NFL's going. But what really bothers me with Zay is I think that catch that lack of catch radius really sticks out um he does play with some tenacity at the catch point though I I see glimpses of Stefan Diggs in that regard where Diggs is kind of an undersized guy but he's willing to go up and and take a hit and and, you know play through contact at the catch point I I do see that with Zay a little bit but that catch radius is really really limited Ross and when you're talking like even him working across the middle of the field like wide open you got to put the ball like right on him or else he's not going to make a play um that's my biggest concern with him is I just I think you're kind of limited with the types of targets you can give him if you have a really uber accurate quarterback though they're probably going to get the most out of him and and I I think he's going to be a phenomenal player but I kind of get Golden Tate vibes with him Golden Tate is my working play style comp really really good after the catch I think he'll be less of a vertical threat in the NFL than he was in college similar to how Golden Tate you know, he was a phenomenal deep threat at Notre Dame, but was more of that short intermediate guy at the NFL level. Um, question.
0: I'm not comparing these two. I'm just wondering. Tell me about Tyreek Hill's catch radius. Yeah, I mean Does he have I- a bigger one
2: because he can jump higher, or is it similar to say, or yeah, the 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 added explosiveness you get with Tyreek definitely helps the catch radius but also I think Tyreek has some of the best ball skills I've ever seen. So he's, he's reading the trajectory of that football a lot better. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie to you and say Tyreek doesn't have a limited catch radius.
0: Five ten a buck 90. He's pretty well put together. Yes. Um, all right. Who else do you have? Do you have any thoughts Joe on Zay
1: flowers or Quentin Johnson or any of these guys? This is why I love Brett on this podcast, because I am the fantasy guy. Brett's scouting all these players for me. I am the landing spot guy. You know, I told you, I've, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is kind of landing spot agnostic. Like, I think he could go anywhere and he'll, he'll be a guy who could slot in day one, no pun intended. Um, but Johnston... Um, Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, all these guys really depend on where they go. We haven't discussed Jalen Hyatt yet, but, man, if we get that guy on Buffalo, where he's going to have an opportunity to start in week one opposite Stefan Diggs working the short to intermediate and Hyatt's going over the top, well, then, hello, we've got, we, we're, we're cooking with something there. So the, I, there are guys who are going to move way up and down my board based on all of that, and we'll obviously get to that, Ross.
0: I'm assuming your next receiver, um, Brett, is Andre Yasavas from Princeton? <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> well, it should be. That guy's awesome. Anyway,
2: um, who who's next on your board? I, have, I do have Jalen Hyatt. Uh, Joe mentioned him. He nailed it. Jalen Hyatt is fifth on my board. Um, Yeah, I mean, vertical threat for days. I, he's got... Thing about hyatt is he's really hard to project to the nfl i mean i think this topic has been discussed at nauseum, and probably across the draft community but coming from that josh hypo tennessee offense for those that don't know they're lining their receivers up um in ecuador and then they're, they're getting free releases because they're lined up no for real though they they do these stack bunch formations where they're lining three receivers up outside the numbers and the numbers in college are insanely wide compared to the nfl so you're literally basically pitting three receivers to the sideline and these are stack formations college coverages aren't really good at locking and leveling and and you know handling these switch releases and what ends up happening is one of those guys in that bunch is gonna get a free release Tennessee prioritized getting Jalen high at that free release. there's a lot of plays where he's just running down the field absolutely uncovered by himself and he's so freaking fast Ross even when he was covered, or when the, uh, a good switch was made. He's just running running past them. Not a ton of nuance to what he was doing there, just running straight very fast.
0: Yeah, I did um, a UCF game when Gabe Davis was there, and I swear they either just throw the ball to the guy right away in like a smoke, or the, or he run the nine route. Like I feel like those are the only two things that he did the whole game. I don't know how he ran as many nine routes as he
2: did. Yeah, that's, that's that's factually true. A lot of smoke routes, a lot of, um, you know, they'll do some tunnel screens off that as well, and then some, some deep crossers too. But for the most part, it's all, you know, it's all pretty one-trick pony-ish.
0: Any other guys, Brett, that you got to mention that maybe you're higher on than others or lower? Maybe it's Josh Downs. Maybe it's one of the Cincinnati kids, Tank Dell, Jonathan Mingo's getting some buzz.
2: Anybody else that... Stands out to you. We can talk about Mingo for a sec. You just brought him up. Yeah, Mingo's a guy I'm very high on. I think this is a, a day two pick for sure. Um, I know early in the process, a lot of a lot of people were speculating he'd be a fourth, fifth round guy. I just don't see it. He's uh, For a class that lacks size at the receiver position, this is a big dude. 6'2", 220. I don't know if you've seen his frame, Ross, but he is rocked up. Got all the muscles in the world. Kind of reminds me of A.J. Brown, which is a cheap comp because of the the same helmet. Same school comp there, but um, he's got a lot of similar qualities to his game as A.J. Brown. Played all over that formation at Ole Miss, outside, inside. Um, phenomenal after the catch. Really, really good route runner for his size. And I think that doesn't necessarily show up on the college tape because of the the Lane Kiffin scheme. But when he went down to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Ross, he was putting on a route running clinic. Just what we, we did not expect him to uncork that compared to what was on his college tape. So. I think this is a guy that's probably going to go a little bit higher than than people are realizing. And he, he profiles as like an alpha dog. If he can develop a little bit, I think he's got a chance to be a, a number one type guy in the NFL. Check this guy out on social media. He is excellent at BG
0: Whitefield, absolute stud thoroughly enjoying this series. We got next week. We will dive into the tight ends. You can also check out Joe, even though Joe's not doing anything on these shows, at FG underscore Dolan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker pod. I'm stuffed. That was delicious. Thanks for listening to the fantasy feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, even money business of sports and the college draft all available at Apple podcasts, Ross or wherever podcasts can
1: be found for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile